are you going to like kind of lead the discussion and sort sure. of guide us through and then you're kind of like our wise sage, the quarterback, the point guard? <laughs> I don't know anything about sports ball, Nate, as you know. <laughs> how does that, but, uh, how does yeah, that sound? I'll, I'll play uh, the, the center field uh, position. This was a movie, Nate. Yes, it was. <laughs> so did did you, like, when I texted you that I was starting it, did you immediately start watching it yes. at the same time? Yes. <laughs> because you waited till about halfway through the movie to elude the fact that you were watching it in sync with me, and you then texted me a comment on a scene that had just happened. Yes. And because of the nature of the movie being, like, zero privacy, everything is watched <laughs> and recorded... It came across super creepy. Perfect. But yeah, it was it was well timed. I was creating like a 4D experience for you. <laughs> it's one of those Disney things where the uh, the little broom handles like brush against your ankles and you think it's, <laughs> you think it's a spider crawling around. Yes, exactly. Except it's yeah. me uh, hacking your uh, your home. Yes, uh, hacking the encryption. Mm-hmm. So we watched we watched the Circle, uh, starring. I probably should have had the uh, the IMDb pulled up. Uh, hang on here. <clears throat> We're off uh, to a circle. great start now. It's <laughs> casual. This is a casual experience. So we watched The Circle, a 2017 movie starring Emma Watson, Tom Hanks, and uh, I forgot or did not realize that John Boyega was also in this film. A uh, a cryptic and seemingly useless character. But anyway. He's definitely in part of the film. Um <laughs> I am a believer in the perfectibility of human beings. At the circle, we can finally realize our potential. Yeah, let's let's just start from the top because because uh, I have notes here. Okay, and everything is spoilers as we discuss these movies. <laughs> oh yeah, we if you haven't already, we should have said that at the beginning. Please splice this in in the first minute. Spoilers. The best I can summarize the movie, you know, it is they're unclear about when this is taking place. You know, I they use kind of like these old jalopy cars that uh, Emma Watson and the other characters are driving around. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they make it feel like maybe it's now, maybe it's just slightly in the future, but but it's close. You know, they're trying to imply, I think, that this is a, a near future possibility. I'm surprised this movie didn't have a part that said present day or not too... <laughs> Distant future. <laughs> for for as much as they say in just like blanket exposition, you know, and you know, nothing is unsaid. You know, everything's just kind of laid on the table. You yes. would think, you know, they, they would give that. But so I digress. So anyway, the, I mean, the movie is basically about this company called The Circle, which is our stand-in for a modern social media conglomerate. And uh, it's this dystopian idea that one social network or tech company has everyone's information, all the data, and they are positing that this is a good thing, that it can bring accountability and transparency to things like democracy and government. But then there's the seedy underside of, you know, if everyone's stuff is everywhere, then there's no privacy. And, you know, is is this good or not? You know, I think so. I think the movie is trying to answer a very big question that and we it's actually trying are trying so hard it's <laughs> trying it's very best <laughs> it tried really hard and you know i mean these are big names you know you got tom hanks which 
I would like to discuss Tom Hanks maybe after we go through the movie because sure. he, I, lo- I love Tom Hanks and uh, I feel like he is in incredible movies and terrible movies and nothing in between. <laughs> but we can we can discuss that later. So, yes. you know, so the movie opens and, and the first note I made was, you know, you have like the production house credits, you know, maybe it's New Line Cinema or Syncope or whatever it is. And uh, there was like four credits at the beginning of production companies and i didn't recognize any of them and that to me was telling yes. of how the movie was going to go so yeah that's just me that was uh it, it sort of just kept on going and i thought oh <laughs> was this passed <laughs> from company to company was this like a like buying up a, a foreclosure it's a, it's the common uh, the tech company thing you know it's a aqua hire aqua oh okay hire. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the movie begins, and we have uh, Emma Watson. She's working a dead end uh, call center job, or whatever. And she has this friend that gets her an interview at the Circle. You know, the Circle is this huge tech company. Tom Hanks is the Steve Jobs character owner, and all that. Uh, I like how the first time we see the Circle complex, it is literally a Circle building. And I wonder how much, how many, how many cues they took from the new Apple campus. Oh man, building. Yeah, you know what I mean? believe I believe there was a concept sketch or two. Yeah. So so she goes to this uh, this camp, the circle, to, for her job interview at this place, and uh, I thought the interview was super weird and interesting. <laughs> like <laughs> like it's this I, guy. Like I have notes. I have notes from the <laughs> from the um, interview. I just have a couple things I wrote down here. Speed round, Paul or John? Early Paul, late John. Mario or Sonic? Early Sonic, late Mario. Needs of the society or needs of the individual? Should be the same. You're most scared of? Unfulfilled potential. I, uh, you know, he did like this lightning round thing where he was just kind of like shooting questions at her and he wanted her to just say the first thing that came to her mind. And sometimes she tried thinking about it and he was like, uh, lightning round, you know, get with it. The the one the one question I wrote down, which I thought was interesting, you know, he was asking her like this or this, and he wanted her to choose on the spot. Mm-hmm. He said introspection versus communication, and I guess it's you know what is more important, communication, right? And I guess it's you know what is more important or or what's part. It was like introspection, moving on. And I was like, that was interesting. Uh, I don't know. I thought maybe that was that was. Interesting, but yeah, it was. What else did you have? Yeah. I also wrote down. Um, he asked, I believe, what is your greatest fear? And she said, mm-hmm. unfulfilled potential, which <laughs> is never actually touched upon the rest of the movie. It sounded like, like a really uh, great answer, but I would like to posit that that is actually the theme of this movie a movie that tried so hard. But left me feeling like it was unfulfilled potential. So you're saying it was an unfulfilled prophecy. I believe it was like, yeah, a meta statement about the movie itself saying, mm. saying this is what we have right. at probably the moment. Not, probably not on purpose. Not but. on purpose at all. Right. No, <laughs> never, they were taking themselves very seriously. They would never say anything like this. The, the other thing that I um, wrote down is that he asked needs of society versus needs of the individual. Mm, yes. And her response to that is, should be the same, which got me thinking in kind of a deep way. 
Are they the same? Or should they be the same? Is this yeah. deeper than this movie wants me to go? I don't know. Probably, probably. And they never... <laughs> well, I guess they kind of address it later when they talk about how not sharing your life experiences is basically stealing from the world. Right. Which, <laughs> that was an interesting theme. Uh, it was a bit so, of a jump. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a far jump. But the, the, the other thing I thought, he said... Uh, will you go on a date with me? Oh, and, man. And then she paused for a moment, and then she said, that's inappropriate. He says, good. And I was like, wow, that's weird, but I guess interesting, like like testing her character or, or how right. she would, or how she would um, deal with poor character from another employee, I guess. But right, but I also had like the sneaking suspicion, and this actor, I believe, also played Scrappy in the Scooby-Doo live-action movie. <laughs> I had a okay. sneaking suspicion that he asks all the women in the interviews this question, and if they say yes, mm. he says, great. And if he says no, if they say no, he goes, hi, you passed the test. So, not to put a character uh, judgment on him, but I wasn't quite sure he was noble in that answer. I, I mean, see. in that question. Yeah, it's kind of a uh, a Schrodinger's cat uh, situation. <laughs> right, you, you, right. You don't know I what mean, he, he what could get a asking. date, or he could be like, "Yes, you passed my test." Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm with you there. I have a I have a quick thing to jump back to just for a second because Please. this infiltrates the whole movie, and I it is my notes run throughout. Um, and I can't get away from it. What did you think about Emma Watson's American American accent? Uh, you know, and did you know she was doing one? You know, I did not. And that's that's one of the things that always boggles my mind is when I hear an actor like in an interview on a late show and they have a strong accent I didn't realize. Yeah, I. no one goes to the first audition they've ever been to in their entire life and then makes those movies for over a decade. No, it I just mean, doesn't ever like, happen. That doesn't happen. So are you, are you saying Emma Watson has like a, a British accent or something? She is British okay. in life. So she... it's not really an accent. It's just how she talks. <laughs> well, I guess here in America, we would call it an accent. But in this movie... She plays an American, hmm. um, but with what I like to call Brit slips throughout, <laughs> where a phrase <laughs> such as, and I wrote this down, which is the very first phrase in the movie she says during her dead-end job, she, use, she says the word, it wasn't late, but it, she says it like this, it wasn't late, wasn't was British, Late was American, and every time she had a word that she could really lean into the American accent, 30, mm. you know, but a lot <laughs> of wood, wood and want, and yeah, I'll, you know, I can't do a British accent, but um, I felt like she was moving in and out of this accent the whole time, um, which this is a pet peeve of mine in movies, when they make a character who doesn't need to be american her best Hmm. friend is i believe scottish right right and this is an international company why couldn't she be a a a british that's true and they do they do work hard to have a lot of 
diversity in the staff of Circle. You know, I think they're trying to portray a San Francisco sure. current tech company, which it does take place in San Francisco. They make that clear by the 1,000 shots of the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> so they never Correct. explicitly say it, but but we know it is San Francisco. And the uh, Bay. And the Bay, right. But I uh, I was not tuned in to the accent. I was more... Uh, <laughs> Just appalled at the movie itself. So okay, okay. Well, all right. Well, throughout the the movie, I can just say, um, for all those who care about different accents, I I hear your pleas. I am with you. Uh, it was troubling, and um, as vindication, I did a little deep dive after the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, small trivia for this movie on IMDb: uh, yes. the UK did not release this movie in theaters. This went mm. straight to Netflix. Mm. So straight uh, to Netflix. So the 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 British people, uh, I believe, spoke loudly. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. So in America, I watched it on Amazon Prime because it is available uh, right. for free with as a did subscription. But it is not on Netflix here in the states. I don't think. Anyway, hmm. that's interesting. It's it's always interesting to me, like what shows and licenses are in some countries and not others. And you know, if you try to use Netflix while you're traveling abroad, you get you know an entirely different experience. But anyway, uh, I think we should consider you our in-house accent expert. I think okay, this is, uh, this, Wonderful. this is your department. So yes, Wonderful. for all those uh, accent pedants, uh, <laughs> Nate is your guy. So we we move on from the interview. Uh, she gets the job apparently, um, and they they do. One of the early scenes in the circle is she attends this keynote, which the company apparently does on Fridays. And, you know, this is something we hear Facebook and other companies, they do like a town hall meeting once a week where, you know, everybody comes into the big auditorium and, uh, you know, the CEO or somebody uh, comes on stage and announces a new product feature and everybody gets excited. And I would have to say, eh, there's a several of these in the movie, these like keynote presentations. And first one has Tom Hanks. You know, he comes out there and he's all Tom Hanksy and, mm-hmm. and has a, a wonderful beard. And I, I would have to, like Tom Hanks's performance, I feel is fine. The crowd is cringeworthy. Oh, man. I mean, it's it's that hyper enthusiastic, like. Everyone is so glad they're there. And like we all, if you've ever worked at a company of any size, no hands-on meeting would be that exciting. And I think, but have you ever worked at Apple corporate? <laughs> Apple, I think it's Inc. <laughs> but 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 anyway, Apple Macintosh. I uh, I mean, I yeah. I differentiate it because I worked at an Apple store. So oh, that's right. I have been right. I have been how you say. Inside the circle. Mm. So how how were those uh, all hands meetings? Were they as exciting as the uh, circle portrayed? Yeah, Tom Hanks comes in every day and gives us uh, throws out some gumball cameras at us, um, tells mm. us to stick it to things, so to speak. <laughs> Sorry, I jump ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. But the, yeah, that is a but. So your all hands meetings uh, were they like that? Um, in our small store with 10 people smashed into the back room, uh, we were supposed to be that energetic at mm. 7 a.m. And some mm. days we were, 
but it right. didn't quite have the same feeling as this movie. But I imagine if you uh, live on a giant campus that has Beck uh, singing um, <laughs> in a music video every Friday, right. uh, maybe right. you'd be more excited. Maybe. And, uh, you know, the, he asks at one point, do you like to share? Basically in a way that the, uh, I don't know anything about rock music either, but, you know, do you want to rock? You know, whatever they, you know, <laughs> whatever they would say at a concert. You know, Tom Hanks says, do you like to share? And then everyone, uh, you know, repeats in a cult-like way something. I, I didn't write Sharing it down, is but. caring. Sharing, is that what they say? Yeah, that's exactly what they say. That's Remember, terrible. I've watched this movie <laughs> twice now. Do you like to share? And so that's creepy, you know, and you can mm-hmm. you can already tell it's a it's a culty vibe. And then he announces at the in this keynote that they've developed a, a camera that's you know amazing quality and all the stuff, and it is basically invisible. And they put thousands and thousands all over the world, so you can see everything at any time. But so Tom Hanks is up there. He's talking about this camera. It's going to change the world. They're all over. And the selling point is accountability. That if everything is public all the time that you know human rights and dictatorship and all that kind of stuff like it won't be able to hide under the guise of secrets and i think the the phrase that he uses are secrets are lies and so the idea that anything that is secret is basically a lie to the public right and the phrase knowing is good knowing everything is better because knowing is good but knowing everything is better. Which feels like a movie poster slogan as well. <laughs> right. One of those things you get on Etsy and yes. uh, you hang in your office. <laughs> Live, uh, laugh, love, knowing everything <laughs> is better. Live, die, repeat. Wait, that's Tom <laughs> Hanks. No, that's Tom Cruise movie. Sorry. Wrong uh, Tom. Yeah, wrong, wrong Tom. So, so we go through that keynote and you know, it's, it's always hard. Emma Watson, as she's like in these scenes and sitting in the keynotes, it's really hard to tell what she's actually thinking of what's going on. Can we assume skepticism at this point in the movie? I think so. Because it's always tough to tell. Like, she, like, we as an audience are meant to, they almost play slightly creepy music. Right. But, like, we're supposed to be like, oh, maybe this is too much. This is like every other, you know, iRobot movie we've ever seen. Mm, but yes. is is Emma feeling that along with us? Or is, is she really, like, getting on board? I think she's feeling some of that, but she always has this like minor smirk. Mm-hmm. Like whenever the camera kind of pans to her and then like slowly zooms in, she's like kind of has a tiny smile. And, you know, I think as the movie goes on, it, it it's even harder to believe like, is she super into this eventually? Right. Or is she like playing, is she playing everybody? Like, so she's making believe she's super into it. Like it's, it's weird. Um, but anyway, so they so they have this uh, after the keynote. There's a party on campus. Uh, Beck, which I believe is a musician, yes, uh, <laughs> is playing a concert, and it's one of these cringeworthy like um, you have to socialize with your coworker events kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And she meets uh, John Boyega, and uh, he's doing something important on his phone, <laughs> which we we never see or know what he's doing on there. That's correct. Uh, yes, and he pulls a, some bottle of alcohol out of a bush. Uh, to Im- to impress Emma Watson, and uh, he mysteriously doesn't say his name and uh, and leaves. And, and so- we are both meant to believe that he kind of likes her, 
but is also kind of annoyed because he does not seem to be drinking the Kool-Aid mm. of the circle. Right. He's he's the titular jaded uh, character who's been there long enough to see behind the curtain. Correct. Kind of yes. So we're introduced to him. The, and again, the, in throughout the movie, like it kind of implies like there should be some love story there, but one never develops. Yes. And so it's hard to care about them as a couple. So, well, yeah. even I would say even a level of friendship that I thought would develop that I don't think that ever really comes to fruition other than no. him kind of letting her in on the secrets of Which the circle. The, <laughs> the secrets is there's basically a sewer underneath the circle the, building the, the, with nothing in it. <laughs> to slightly jump ahead, yes, the I believe <laughs> I believe they wanted it to have the... Have you ever seen the movie... Uh, side note here. Have you ever seen the movie yes. Coma with Michael Douglas? No. I've never even heard of that. Um, where basically he learns that people that are going to comas, they're using their bodies matrix style below the hospital. Um, I don't exactly know why, but they're suspending their bodies. It's kind of like a you know a using the humans as batteries situation oh the matrix yeah yeah but there's a a scene where he walks into this room and finally discovers that all of these humans that they thought were just dead are all suspended in liquid um mm. being used and i believe the circle wanted us when um ty who is john boyega's character that took oh, me the right. second viewing to figure out his name I did. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. <laughs> he shows her, and this is the room where they're going to store all the information, and um, it will all be in here. And but they don't have anything creepy in the room. It's just a sewer. I assume some sort of <laughs> Hollywood stage that they didn't have money to fill, or or they said. You know what? In post, we're going to put in a bunch of machines in here, and it's going to be really creepy and impressive. But I think to myself, now that we are in 2018, are we supposed to be scared by large amounts of servers uh, and right. storing information? Is that supposed to be unsettling to me? <laughs> and that's what I was thinking is like a, a huge complex of servers is not new <laughs> Correct. or creepy. Like that, like Apple has one, Google has a bunch, you know, they, they all have server farms everywhere. Like that, that's what the cloud is. Right. You know, the fact that they're storing our information, it, it seems like a scene that would have played better in the seventies, but now we've all become accustomed right. to, yeah, this information is stored on these giant servers. Yeah. And I guess, you know, this is, um, a little germane with the whole Facebook data privacy fiasco that's right. going on in the in the news right now but i don't know i don't want to get into a too much of a privacy discussion here but i'm i'm one of the things where i don't use the social network thinking that whatever something i put on there will be actually private and unseeable i just assume everything is out there that's out there but right uh, yes, yeah. my, people, yes. People i just assume that my alexa is listening to me <laughs> And I apologize to anyone listening to this who has uh, an echo nearby who just came on when I said the word Alexa. You know, I, I hear a lot of podcasts, you know, try to avoid uh, doing stuff like that. And I don't I don't care to avoid it. Right. I'll say, I, I don't hey, either. Hey, hey Siri. <laughs> and uh, OK, Google. 
and, yeah. uh, so say them all one. activate <laughs> all of them at once <laughs> uh it's something initiate uh, i'm trying to think uh, of now I'll alexa play a song by beck <laughs> so we go through the first keynote she meets john boyega mysterious character obviously will play a role later mm-hmm. it's yet to be seen and then so she's at work the next day or or sometime in the near future and these two fellow circle employees come to grill her best her scene of the movie this is honestly this is the part of the movie that i loved the most are you, i can't i can't even tell if you're kidding like no i am i am actually serious about this it, i on the second viewing they are gina and matt and they come to talk <laughs> to may which is emma's character about right. being more engaged in the company and it is done in such um, I actually think it's done really well because it's meant to be creepy and their level of um, like super excited HR, a bunch of cliche phrases and they're pressuring her to get involved and basically showing all this information they know about her family they know about her parents and all this stuff. And I think it's actually very effective in making me feel unsettled and like, oh, this is this is not okay that they're basically pressuring her to be involved outside and they know what she does on her weekends. True, true. I guess... If you disagree vehemently, you can no, tell no, me. No, no, no. I... So it was super weird, you know, and I, it was obviously making the, the point of, okay, working here is more than just working nine to five. Like... They want your entire life invested. And they talk about, oh, you haven't created your social profile. And they ask her what she did over the weekend. And she said, kayaking. And they're like, with who? She said, alone. And then the guy (laughs) awkwardly says, I kayak. We could have kayaked together. You know, as if there's no understanding that some people like to do things on their own. But anyway. No, this is is the not too distant future where everyone kayaks with everyone else. (laughs) So I guess... I mean, it was super weird. It does make you feel unsettled. So it achieves it achieves that goal. I guess I feel like it, just the tone was so different than the rest of the movie that it almost came across as like a comedic relief slash creepy moment. Yeah. You know what? It didn't, maybe, fit. It didn't fit. Maybe those five minutes, maybe that's the movie I wanted. <laughs> See, you basically wanted an office space, you know, because it was basically like flair on the vest office space situation yes you know they were telling her she wasn't wearing enough flair and uh, and and the weekend events are not required but we'd really like to see you there that's exactly it that is exactly it yeah so it was it was a flair thing and uh and again like it's hard to tell like she she tells several characters including her parents that she loves working there and and she wants to be there more than anywhere else so it, it's it feels like she wants to play along but she's also a little hesitant and unsettled but then i think we go through this montage of her like really going full on into this community and she starts participating in all these events and her score for her customer service thing goes up to 100 and i think she starts wearing more makeup at this point in the movie (laughs) to show that she is like socializing showing that transformation right and she begins to neglect her parents as uh, millennials are ought to do and all this kind of stuff is this around the point where they bring her family onto the insurance plan 
Yes. And so this part of the plot, which I guess we should say is, you know, she, her parents, which seem a lot older than they would be, but her dad has MS. And so, you know, she tells the two creepy co-workers, you know, that's what she was doing over the weekend. She was helping her dad. And they go into this weird, like, well, we have lots of MS support groups and blah, right. blah, blah. And so, so they find out about that. And then, yes, they offer to bring her parents in on the Circle Health Plan, uh, which is, I guess, amazing, and uh, offer to care for them, basically, like to pay for their care. So, right. In, in return for live data, I believe the doctor keeps saying, I would, I would love some live data from your, from your dad. <laughs> Right, which is creepy. And then so there's the scene where she sits in this like doctor's chair and they make her drink um soylent or whatever green <laughs> substance. <laughs> and uh you know, so she drinks the whole bag. Do you think this movie this movie brought up soylent probably four or five times? You think there was a bit yes. of a sponsorship opportunity? I had only heard of Soylent last year, which um I assume was part of Soylent's marketing push. Um <laughs> but even at the very uh Again, spoilers. Uh, we haven't talked much about the friend Annie, but at some point in time, she says, "I was on speed and soylent." Those right. were her uh, her two vices during her her zombie uh, transformation. To be discussed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So I, I think there might have been a spot there because they do mention soylent a lot. Right. But in that in that scene where she's getting health insurance for her parents or whatever, the doctor puts a bracelet on her. And says, you know, this tracks everything and, you know, it's basically like a glorified Apple Watch and yada, yada. And uh, the doctor says something about, you know, it tracks everywhere. And she's like, yeah, it's the uh, the tracker you just ingested in the Soylent I made you drink. And again, like Emma Watson kind of has this look like, wow, that's super creepy. But then five seconds later, she's meh. I guess I'm good. I you think know. that's uh, that's kind of how she faces all of this creepiness is a moment of creepiness. And then, oh, okay. That's just life. Right. Right. And so, so she leaves the doctor's office. She calls her parents to tell them that they're on the health plan. Parents are overjoyed. And she's fake crying over <laughs> the happiness, which I, I found that cry to be also cringeworthy. I just okay. believe it. Okay. This is now we are entering the segment when I bust in with a quick trivia point here because I believe this will explain this fake cry. Okay, please. Four months before this movie was released, there were a bunch of reshoots done because uh, it tested so poorly, this movie. So four months before it was released, they did a lot of reshoots. And the goal of the reshoots was to make Emma more likable, her character. Mm. so they put in a bunch of these and i feel like i I noticed every one of these scenes was basically the ones where she cries and the ones where she you know shows a little bit of breaking down right the as part of the trivia it says it did not work and audiences liked her less after these Mm. reshoots (laughs) so i i have to imagine that they filmed this and they said, you know what? She's just, I mean, she is supposed to be our surrogate in this movie as the viewer. We're supposed to like jump into this world with her. And at every point of this movie, she encounters things that I think most of us would say, "Eh, I'm out. Sorry. And she just goes, meh. 
And then when the in the times when she does kind of break down, you're kind of like, well, this feels like it comes out of left field. And that is because it comes out of the proverbial left field of four months before release reshoots. Yeah. So that, that completely makes sense. And I agree that she is not really likable. And it's it's hard to care about her character. Like, I care about her dad because he mm-hmm. has a debilitating disease. And I feel like... So I didn't realize uh, the actor who plays her dad... Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. I didn't realize this was the last movie he made. He passed away. Uh, oh, no. Shortly after that movie was made. So this was actually his last role, um, which is crazy. And but, he's he's good in this movie. He's a likable I mean, character, and you uh, you definitely root for him. Right, and you feel for him, and that um, comes to bear later when she kind of uh, messes the, with their privacy. So anyway, we'll get to that. I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, she's, to say. <laughs> yeah, so she's not believable, crying, but her parents are grateful. Um, and then she goes on a late-night kayak expedition alone. Because she's upset about something. Do you remember why she was upset? She was upset because of Mercer breaking up with her, which takes its own discussion because I have strong, (laughs) strong feelings about Mercer. (laughs) Okay, well, yes, I would like to hear those. To bring Mercer into the picture, she is, or Mercer is her childhood friend, the salt of the earth. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, woodsy friend that they used to go on adventures and now makes <laughs> dear antler chandeliers <laughs> and uh, wants his privacy, doesn't like social media. Uh, a probably in today's terms, a recluse and uh, you know, tinfoil hat guy, but no, no, he's he's kind of kind of like, but he would make his tinfoil hat out of more wood. <laughs> They cannot stress enough that Mercer loves anything woodsy. <laughs> he makes the tinfoil hat out of deer antlers. He might and, as well uh, carry around a hatchet with him. His character might as well just always be in plaid, carrying an axe yes. and having an yes. ox named Blue. <laughs> I love it. And so uh, May's parents constantly imply that he would have been great for her. Like they should have gotten married and he shows interest in her constantly. You know, know, we used to do this We we could have been in a relationship and kind of a, uh, at the beginning, you're not quite sure if she likes him at all. It feels a little bit like a stalker vibe. Mm, We we see him in her house, like during a house party on the back porch, she walks in and he's inside in the hallway looking at her family photos and every shot of him, like from across the yard or whatever, it's like that creepy stalkery shot. Yes, he's, exactly. He's kind of like looking over her shoulder, his shoulder at her. Um, but anyway, so he makes these deer antler chandeliers, and her parents buy one from him. And as she is trying to be more circley and share more, she takes a screenshot of her mom, you know, pointing at the deer antler thing, and she and Emma. Watson posts that picture. And so millions of people see it. And the whole community or, you know, social media turns on Mercer, calling him a deer killer. And so he goes to the circle to confront Emma Watson about this thing that he is not happy about. So what are your feelings about Mercer? 
Okay. I'm about to go in on this. <laughs> please, please do. Mercer is created as, as you described, woodsy to the max. This is, mm-hmm. um, they try to make him the antithesis of social media. So right. he he is just of the woods, has a beat up truck, uh, can mm-hmm. fix cars, makes deer antler chandeliers which (laughs) (laughs) i can't like i just can't think of a way they could make him more anti-social media he's always talking about you know why don't we just make plans now why do we have to you don't need to text me i'm talking to you Um, right that was he is so anti like they make him as so anti-technology which feels like a bit of a lazy move when you're like all right we're we're going to present him you know to the max um uh, folksy woods people then the the only thing more they could have done was had him use a old nokia bar cell phone (laughs) i'm not even sure if he owns a cell phone i bet he's just got a landline Mm, like an animal (laughs) right okay so he he approaches her after she posts this uh, chandelier because we are to believe that he is a bit of an entrepreneur with these antler chandeliers, which hot take don't look terrible. If no, you like antlers, nice. then uh, <laughs> and you like chandeliers, uh, this seems great. Mm-hmm. He is not okay with her. I assume helping his business because he says right. in a scene where he approaches her at the circle he says they started calling me a deer killer i've gotten death threats death threats may they started calling me a deer killer and then there's a campaign to shut me down i wasn't even online i was working and when i checked my email there were death threats that's about how he delivers that line and i have an objection to this because while he may have death threats that I don't think this movie understands how the internet works because (laughs) for every person that says you're a deer killer and that's savage, there is one other person that goes, I love me some deer antler chandeliers. I'll buy 10 for all my family because in the polarizing world of the internet, there are people from every camp. And the fact that, he must have gotten hundreds and hundreds of orders for these antler chandeliers. Right. And again, death threats seems a little bit um, extreme, but I think we can say like, if someone said like, I don't approve of this, he could be like, all right, not for you. Move along. I don't right. think he probably has a website to be honest. So I don't know <laughs> how they're getting to him. Um, he then Deerkiller.org. <laughs> Maybe she made it for him, which in some right, ways, right. that's a deerkiller.edu. Deer dot biz. And um, this, I, I really didn't like this line, that someone sees him at the circle and yells at him like, what are you going to do, kill another deer? And he <laughs> says, and he says... I didn't kill deer. I don't kill deer, which to me feels like, hold up. Deer, deer the circle. 
you can't have it both ways. Are you telling me this guy is going out scavenging or like using other deer hunter and then taking their antlers? Is he, and I had the picture. He's got a a supplier. That's all. (laughs) I had a picture of him going out, subduing the deer, sawing (laughs) off their antlers and letting them go free, which felt worse. But I didn't like that they focused so much on the deer killing that, you know what? If you make antler chandeliers, I guarantee you kill deer. And it's like you didn't even want to you don't even want to embrace that. You'll be like, "Oh no, he's so just in case anyone's actually watching the circle who truly believes that Mercer deserves what he gets mm. uh, to be discussed later, they almost had to be like, "No, he's innocent. He didn't kill the deer." Um so I have uh, a lot of problems with the the antler chandelier business, the business model, <laughs> and the fact that uh, he's so angry about this. Yeah, and honestly, I don't know any antler chandelier makers personally. In which case, uh, he has the market cornered. It should be even true. better for him. That's true. He'd throw up a Squarespace site, he'd have all the business. <clears throat> but anyway. And thank you to Squarespace for the sponsorship. I'm going fully transparent. So... Emma's fully transparent. She increasingly gets more and more monitor screens at her workstation, unexplicably, for whatever reason. Uh, And as she is fully transparent walking around the world, it's kind of funny. They do this uh, comment pop-up thing. So you virtually see these little red bubbles kind of pop up and down around her, which are these people, I guess, watching the live stream, commenting. I I did find some of the comments kind of humorous because you do see on any live stream, like a random having nothing to do with the topic comment. And so there were some bubbles that would be like, I haven't gotten out of bed in two hours. And like, uh, I like cheese. Yeah. (laughs) I like cheese. And so that, that part felt accurate to me. Like, yes, there are those random people that just, you know, first or whatever, like they just post random comments. So, so that was, I don't know. I, I guess interesting. She never ever addressed any of the comments as they came in, you know, which is something you do see in live streams. You know, you try to interact, interact with your people. So she never does that. I've never had millions of people watching a live stream at one time though. So maybe that's, you can can no longer comment on. Right. It's untenable. People. Yeah. And so while she is being fully transparent, you know, they do another keynote scene, you know, where she announces that she's doing that. And that's when they say, not sharing your life experiences means you're stealing from others. And, you know, she talks about her kayaking and, and Tom Hanks on stage, she talks about his son who has cerebral palsy, I believe he's, he claims, right? and that he can't experience these things in the world, he can't walk, he can't climb a mountain, but he experienced those things by other people sharing their experiences. And so by you not sharing your kayaking in the bay, uh, you are stealing from his son. I was like, wow, that's a heavy claim. Yeah, what do you say to that when someone says, you're stealing from my um, disabled son? Yeah, I don't even know. By kayaking alone in the bay. Right, like I don't, and I don't even know what to say to that now, but yeah, it, it was. it's a heavy point they're trying to make. And again, you you can never tell if they're trying to imply like this man is crazy and that idea is crazy or that there is actually some truth to it and we should consider what he's saying. But, you know, I don't know what the movie wants us to think about it. We technically don't know if Tom Hanks even has a son. 
we are not right. shown whether he is lying about things or whether he is sincere, which is something that this whole movie doesn't quite ever let us know. Like we're we're to believe, spoiler alert, that you know he's doing some backroom deals with his right. uh, business partner, but we never see behind the curtain ourselves. So this whole thing about um you know are stealing from their experiences and knowing is good and knowing more knowing everything is better right. we're uh, does he believe these things or is this all part of a, a sham which and i think it's kind of the current social media you know facebook does not probably care so much about its users as it can care about the money it can make from its users and you know there's there's always humanitarian and whatever you know, feel good reasons you have for people being together and connecting and sharing photos with your grandma or whatever. But I don't know. It's always the, the underlying tone of there's always an ulterior motive, usually money happening. Um, but anyway, so, so Emma Watson's character, she's fully transparent. Everything she sees is, you know, streamed. Uh, she talks to her parents one time and kind of like checks with them in with them one morning to see how they're doing. And they're part of this, the stream and her dad's wearing a circle t-shirt or whatever. And then later she goes to check in on her parents in the evening time. And I guess there's cameras all over her parents' home now that she could just check all the cameras at will. And she, whatever she sees is streaming to millions of people. And she flips to their bedroom camera and catches them making love. And that is then streamed to the entire world. And she turns around real quick and she's very embarrassed and all that. And then her parents don't talk to her for seemingly weeks on end, which <clears throat> I I told my wife, you know, this, this feels really like dystopian, like, Oh goodness, you know, that it's weird. It should never happen. But then I told her like, you know, I don't know if you've heard of the Alexa show or the Amazon echo show, which no. is, so it's actually a, it's like an echo, but it actually has a screen and a camera. And it's meant to, like, you can have one, and then your parents can have one. And if you allow and give a permission, either party can just ask, hey, show me so-and-so's house. And you can just immediately see what's going on at the other home at will. And the selling feature is, you know, if you have an elderly parent or someone that, you know, has a disability or disease and if you need to check on them make sure they're okay you can do it without them taking any action you know that you can just tune in and make sure they're doing okay <laughs> but it actually is a thing in reality then that you know if you had these all over your house you know someone could just you know obviously it's a trusted friend that's not streaming to a million people but like that is a technology that that exists now and so that was a interesting problem well and i think the the thing that we're supposed to think about during this is not only is it between two people, but it's being stored down in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-like <laughs> server room the and being used later. And I am under no pretense that in the world that we are in now that the things that I say to Alexa or the things that Alexa hears, I'm going to stop saying her name. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> that uh they're being that i'm being listened to or you know that it's being used in some way i am i'm not i am somewhere between 
I guess, conspiracy and naivety. Uh, there's a balance there of, I assume my information is being used, uh, but I hope that it's not listening to everything I say. So I'm going to send you a link, Nate, and this may creep you out or you might find it super interesting. But I you don't want to smash my echo. Do, am <laughs> I going to after this? Possibly. You can log in to the Amazon website and view a history, the transcriptions of everything that your echo has heard you say no. when you offered a command. And so you can go back and all the times that it may have misheard you, you can go back and see what it thought you said, and you can view a transcription of every oh, word you've ever said to <laughs> uh, Enjoy sleeping tonight. So... I just sent you that link. You, you can enjoy that, and maybe we can uh, do a follow-up on the next episode of, of what you discover. Perfect. A little bit of a, yeah, a little cliffhanger. Yeah. Let's see what I find out from this transcript. So that traumatic experience with her parents uh, does not deter her. She continues to be fully transparent, streaming everything and sharing everything. And we eventually get to this point. And we, we should probably mention she has a friend, Amy. Is that her? Is that Annie. Aunt, sorry. <laughs> See, I don't care about any of these characters. So, so, so Annie is the one who got her the job. She supposedly has some high rank in the circle, mm-hmm. and throughout the film, appears more and more tattered because she is traveling the world, uh, dealing with regulatory issues of the circle, and she seems increasingly less keen on the circle Human. as a whole. She <laughs> it's just she, she's as your theory, I think, goes slowly turning into a Walking Dead character. Yes. Uh, meaning a zombie. And so she's there. And eventually there's this boardroom scene where May, Emma Watson's character, is invited into this boardroom thing. And uh, Annie, or Amy, what's her name? Annie. <laughs> Annie. <laughs> so they're both in this boardroom scene. Annie is curious why she was invited. And they begin to talk about voting and politics, which I don't want to get into, but, you know. Emma well, Watson's... But I have to get into one one quote okay. that I wrote down. Okay, please. Uh, she talked about, um, briefly, they mentioned uh, using Circle as a way to vote and making right. voting mandatory, mandatory participation, therefore mandatory. Uh, what's the word they use? Completion? Yeah, that's uh, the creepy tech yeah, term. Yeah. Man, they, yeah, they just throw that around willy-nilly. Um, but she uses this phrase when she says when people start laughing at her for like making everything mandatory she then uses this phrase and i have uh nothing else but to say this was a line a, a line in the script that says we have to pee indoors we can't just go pee in the streets <laughs> uh, yeah that's really all i have i just wrote that down and i said yeah in a, a big boardroom of a giant global company um, yeah. Emma Watson said we have to pee indoors and that was part of her argument for there are rules that we already follow um, I think we could say that Mercer doesn't necessarily agree with that statement I'm <laughs> sure he does not pee indoors <laughs> so so that whole, that whole boardroom scene again like I could tell the movie is trying to put some forth some political agenda forth or some idea and it's trying to put it in context or say something about it but that whole boardroom scene you know emma watson gets up and she makes this speech about stuff and tom hanks 
looks endearingly at her because he knows that she's completed her brainwashing uh, phase or whatever. Very but, good, Padawan. <laughs> well, it was the uh, what is it, worm tongue from Lord of the Rings? You know, it felt kind of kind of like that. But uh, my my eyes just continually glazed over as that scene went on because I was like, I just I, I know there's a lot of rhetoric here, and uh, and Amy or, or what's 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 her name? <laughs> no. Call her Annie. Amy. Call her Amy now. It's as good as Annie. That's fine. Don't fight it. <laughs> the tattered friend, you know, she she gets up, says it's BS, and walks out, and all this kind of stuff. And so, so that the board meeting happens. Is she upset with May's new shine in the company? Is it, that what's it, it going pe- on, or just it, it upset she's like, turning into a zombie? Yeah, <laughs> I think both. via Soylent. I, I think uh, you know maybe maybe it's the opposite of an ad. Maybe they're trying to say if all you drink is soylent, you turn into a zombie. Yeah, uh, this is brought I, to you by Nutrislim. Yeah, and she does say so. I think there's a one more keynote that Emma Watson does, and her friend uh, Annie or Amy, whatever. Uh, she she mutters under her breath as she's watching Emma Watson on stage wax eloquently about the circle. She goes, "She's a natural." And, Which uh, I never thought during this movie when watching Emma Watson act. I never whispered to myself, <laughs> she's a natural. <laughs> That's true. Um, so anyway, I, yeah, I think it's jealousy and maybe she sees enough behind the curtain to know the circle is getting culty. I don't know. Something like that. Again, we never know. All we know is that later in the movie, uh, Amy or Annie, Annie uh, eventually escapes to Scotland and uh, <laughs> re- recovers. Uh, we can't tell if she still is employed by the circle or not, but uh, she's doing much better. Uh, I don't believe know, she's employed. I believe she's just free. Um, she quit. She was literally in a in a pasture over there to show right. freedom. Mm, yes. I want to introduce Soul Search. And we're putting it to the test in front of the entire Circle audience here and globally. Uh, Later in the movie, Emma Watson announces a new feature of the Circle called Soul Search, which is this idea that using crowd uh, sourcing or whatever, that we can find any person in the world in under 20 minutes. And so they begin by showing this profile of a 40-something woman who was a convicted felon who mm-hmm. very gruesome story about how she left her three kids and they died. So she's a murderer. And so she went on holiday to Spain, which I'm not sure if going on holiday is a American term, uh, but I typically call it vacation. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And now back to the show. Yes. Thank you. And uh, so they say she escaped from prison. And so we're going to try and find her now so we can arrest her and jail her up. Uh, Right here, live on stage. And Jail so her she's, up. So she's gonna say, start the clock, and this twenty-minute countdown begins. And we see like pictures and what looks like social media posts of just people, you know, in the world trying to find this person. And we eventually come to this commercial laundry area, and uh, a lady says, uh, "May I think I found her?" You know, and she looks and she yells the lady's name this convict and the convict runs and they chase her and all these people with cameras kind of chase her and they keep track of her and she gets arrested. And then it's, it's super weird. The entire crowd of the circle that are sitting in the keynote cheer and are happy. They might as well cheer custody. Burn her. She's a witch. (laughs) That is the kind of fervor that they, 
it's like the crowd wants blood. Yeah, it was super torches and pitchfork kind of <laughs> Wicked Witch of the West thing. You know what? And, Maybe playing uh, upon the mob mentality. Well played, mm, Circle. <laughs> right. And so again, it's unclear whether the movie feels like this is a good thing or a bad thing or a thing that should be possible or not. But that happens. And then the crowd asks for more. They want to do this soul search again. And so she asks for suggestions from the crowd, and someone says Mercer. So they want to find the ant- the, sh- the antler chandelier-making <laughs> woodsman of May's past life. Would have been nice if he, tri- if, if he lived actually in like a really expensive flat in like San Francisco. <laughs> He's like in a Downtown. really a real uh yeah, upscale place. Yeah, He's yeah. got like a small storefront. <laughs> no, no, no no hipstery stuff here. Uh so she tries to resist. She tells the crowd, "No, let's ask for another suggestion." And then they Tom chant Hanks Mercer comes on... like yelling Barabbas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And then Tom Hanks uh, playing the Pontius Pilate character, comes out <laughs> and says, no, this is a great idea. You know, we want to be able to find our loved ones just like we want to be able to find convicted murderers. <laughs> so let's find him. <laughs> and so so the search begins. Uh, we, again, go to the woods because inevitably that's where Mercer is. And he's Shocker. In, <laughs> he's in some cabin. And there's this, you know, a guy and a girl with their phones up saying, hey, we found him. We think he's in here. We know his truck is here. Creepy. I don't know why they know that's his truck. Um, But they, you know, point their phones through the window. And then Mercer tries to escape and gets into his truck and begins to drive away to when a chase scene occurs where there is both a motorcycle, another car, and a drone, inexplicably. I don't know where it came from. All following Mercer. At this point in time, this was your first viewing. Yes. Remember back to how you thought during this chase scene. What did you think the final result of this chase scene would be? So, first of all, I thought he was just going to be sitting in that cabin and maybe have committed suicide. So, I didn't even expect there to... Well, just because it felt like the movie was going that way. Like You could tell there's going to be a tragic end to Mercer. Maybe he'll be... Knifing a deer in the woods. (laughs) Or, or maybe he'll be poetically stabbed by an antler. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I figured, okay, he's he's going to end up dead because that's what the movie needs to, you know, have this conflict. Uh, so when they began to chase, we should also mention they stuck one of those little cameras to his truck window, so we could have we have a live stream of Mercer in the truck driving, trying to escape all this stuff. I as the chasing was happening, I assumed he was going to commit suicide and like run himself into a mountain or something uh, just because he couldn't take it anymore or whatever. And maybe that's morbid, but again, I just felt like that's where the movie wow. was going. Okay. I mean, you really had your finger on the pulse of this movie. <laughs> well, what, what did you think was going to happen? I don't know. I, this movie up until now, it had introduced a bunch of creepy things with zero stakes. Like, the worst thing that has happened so far is that May uh, caught her parents in a compromised situation. But other than that, right. I mean, the worst thing that's happened uh, is Annie became a zombie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mercer is chased by these people and a drone. And he goes on a bridge. 
which again was immediate foreshadowing about what was about to happen. The drone flies in front of the truck and Mercer swerves and falls to his death. So Mercer dies at four millions to see. And mm. Emma Watson's character is traumatized and leaves the circle for <laughs> I think what's later understood as like three days maybe. Yeah, you know, the that typical uh your employer killed your best friend uh three day <laughs> mourning period. Is the is the bereavement. The bereavement days. Yes. I, I I think she only got paid for two of them, but she took a third one because he she really liked Mercer. Um uh, at this point in time in the movie, I believe the movie um I think that that was the climax. And yes. at this point in time the movie goes into fast forward because I believe they had to get it down to like 90 minutes or I'm not sure where this movie ended up. Maybe a hundred <laughs> like minutes. An hour, it's an hour 50. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah. they used with all the reshoots of Emma uh, showing human emotion. I believe they used up a lot of their time <laughs> and I believe starting right now, this movie goes into times four and yeah. towards the end. And this feels as you will speak of a very rushed ending. That leaves me with a lot of questions. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we see Emma Watson crying in bed uh, for a couple scenes, so we know she's human. Uh, then she FaceTimes her friend uh, Amy, who is in Scotland. <laughs> or, sorry, Annie. She FaceTimes uh, Annie in Scotland, and she's doing much better, uh, you know, in a pasture. Emma Watson uh, finally gets out of bed. She's now dressed nicely, made up, tells her parents... Basically, the lost situation, I have to go back, you know, that uh, I'm the only one that can make this thing better or not make it insane. I, I don't know what she thinks she's going to do. Uh, she calls up her friend, uh, John Boyega. Who hasn't been who, in the movie for a while. Hasn't been in the movie for a while. And at some point, we uh, come to understand that he was one of the founders of True You, which... <laughs> It's mentioned a lot in the movie and it's never made clear of like, is true you part of the circle? Is it like some identity, like real identity database? I don't know. Never really made clear. All of these names, true you, sea change, soul search. Right. Yeah. And that was, Ugh. I, I get, you know, I almost, I'm with you on the, if it was more just like a parody comedy <laughs> of like a, like a tech startup, I think you could have easily changed it, like the tone of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. to kind of just been funny. I'm with you there. I think I'm coming around to it. So she calls John Boyega, says, I need your help, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. And um, Hey, so she's Finn from Star Wars. Nice tie-in. Oh, uh, yeah, there you go. And so he, she goes back to the circle, and uh, Tom Hanks is doing some keynote, talking about how uh, once every car is self-driving, uh, we'll never have any more car accidents, like poor Mercer. And... Uh, May comes out on stage, Emma Watson's character, to the surprise of Tom Hanks, which again, like I feel like security at a billion dollar tech company, like she wouldn't have just been able to like wander on stage unexpectedly. Nevertheless, she does. You're right. I think you found a loophole in this movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of plot there's a holes. a plot hole. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of them, but that, that felt a little strange to me. Like, she, But then again, she's a well-known character around Circle and... She's back after a three-day bereavement, so maybe we just let her do whatever she wants. I don't know. <clears throat> but she comes on stage, and again, like, this movie is moving very fast now. She, uh, 
she begins to imply that like, yes, we should all go fully transparent. Everything should be broadcast, including our CEO and his uh, accountant lackey. And so she like puts the cameras on Tom Hanks and Patton Oswalt and they look nervous and uncomfortable on stage. And the whole crowd is cheering like, yes, we should all be transparent, yada, yada. And then the lights go out in the theater unexplicably. And this part made me really distrust the movie. Everyone begins to hold up their phones to light up the stage. because and Beck the comes out to perform <laughs> his second song. No, 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 no. Uh, but everyone holds up their phone with their screens facing the stage to illuminate mm. Emma Watson's character, which of all plot holes bothers me the most because no one would use their screens to light up the stage if you were a crowd. You would turn on your phone's flashlight which is clearly brighter, and you would point that towards the stage. That is excellent, and something that I frankly missed during my two viewings, and I promise you that during my third viewing, I will, <laughs> I will catch that. You will not watch this the third time. <laughs> Never. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, so they illuminate Emma Watson, and she tells the crowd, maybe this happens before the blackout, but that she released all the records, every email, phone call, correspondence between Tom Hanks, his accountant, and the whole company, the entire history is released to the world and public and that's how we should all be. And she triumphantly walks off the stage with a crowd of cell phones following her. I guess Into implying, the light of tomorrow. <laughs> Which I guess implies she now owns the company or that like the entire company of employees trust her more than Tom Hanks now. Once you blackmail the CEO, you become the de facto leader. It's I think it's it, that's a, a really, Machiavelli thing. Yeah. yeah it's a coup d'etat. Right. Right. And so Tom Hanks is left there on stage. Doesn't say a word. Doesn't even try to fight this tide. He just kind of sits there. And so Emma May, or Emma, Emma May, I don't know anybody. Emma May Watson. <laughs> Emma May Watson. Uh, so she walks off, and then the final scene, we cut to Emma Watson in her kayak in the bay, uh, doing the half smirk that she's done throughout the movie. Uh, and <laughs> we slowly zoom out to see drones, like three of them, I think, capturing her smiling on the kayak. And then we zoom out to see that she is one of a million live streams or screens across the entire world, capturing everything. And all viewed by the Matrix architect. Right. And uh, that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> and I searched for a, a post credit scene uh, that does not exist to explain anything. <laughs> Yeah, and then the final song, as the movie credits play out, is "Tis a Gift to Be Simple" by Aaron Copeland, which I guess is supposed to imply some deep meaning. But well, it was also her ringtone at the very beginning of the movie. It's almost uh, like the movie came full circle. I think we need to cut it right there. <laughs> <laughs> and to black. So, so strange ending. I don't know if it's implying that she now owns the company and has turned it around for the better, and the better being that everyone is monitored 24-7. Uh, right. Well, here, okay, so this is where I am just left scratching my head. 
she says in her final monologue something about like why should there be a difference between private and public private and public space Mm. um she says you know privacy was a temporary thing like we no longer need this it is almost like this whole experience i thought was teaching her the importance of privacy the fact that her parents need her privacy that her privacy was um in some ways infringed upon that Mercer's privacy led to his death that I thought that this movie was teaching her as us like, Hey, be careful because if you start giving away your privacy, uh, you'll be run off the road by a drone. (laughs) (laughs) And yet that's not the lesson she learned. I believe the lesson that she did learn was no, I do want everyone to be transparent. I just don't want these gatekeepers to Mm. live with the hypocrisy of secrecy. So the whole movie, which I thought was basically like, hey, this whole like secrets are lies, knowing everything is better. I thought that was actually coming into uh, a place where we could all say, you know what? Yeah, that's a dangerous way of thinking that leads us to every post-apocalyptic world we've ever seen in movies. (laughs) But that's not the lesson she learned, right? Right. And because she's happily in a kayak in the bay, which I guess she's now satisfied to do that surrounded by drones, capturing every moment. Whereas earlier in the movie, it seemed that she wanted to do that alone. But... Yeah, Mercer would roll over in his grave made entirely of antler chandeliers. <laughs> I think, I think the coffin could be made of antlers. I don't think a grave. Anyway. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. A cocoon? <laughs> yes. A cornucopia of antlers. The uh... Sorry, Mercer. Sorry, Mercer. That's on us. Yes. Um, you know, I guess, you know, you hope at the end of a movie you can say the moral of the story was X. And it definitely feels like you don't have that. What is the moral of this story? Stephen, please tell me. If you are charismatic enough, you can overthrow Tom Hanks (laughs) as a billionaire tech CEO. I believe that's the moral. What What does John Boyega, what does his character Ty think about this whole thing? Because he was anti- um data storage yes exactly yeah i mean and he helps emma watson's character release all this information but then she becomes she usurps and becomes the new tom hanks we're calling it sea change so nate i don't know if we should have some kind of rating system uh, that we use to yes. judge judge movies. Please, ah. please make it up on the fly. I'm gonna go from zero to five circles. <laughs> uh, not stars, obviously. Five is completion, and zero is antler chandelier. <laughs> yes, actually, in, in antler chandeliers, I would, I would, I would give this movie a two, only because it does create some thoughtfulness towards how we use social media now. I don't think it does a great job of directing those thoughts or directing a conversation about it, but it at least tried. 
and it brought up some real issues that we might have in today's world. So I will give it two antler chandeliers out of five. So you gave it a participation trophy is what you did. (laughs) It got a white ribbon. Yeah. E for effort. I give this movie, I don't know if we can cut the chandeliers in half, but I'd like to give it one and a half antler chandeliers. Okay. Um, (laughs) I'm just, because, because I can. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, it was it was rough the first time. It was still rough the second time. Uh, <laughs> but I enjoyed taking notes while watching it for this podcast. So that actually added to my enjoyment of it. Um, and I will reiterate for all the people um, thinking about Emma Watson's accent uh, that distracted me the entire movie. And I know there are people out there that feel the same. Uh, and I just want to let you know I'm on your side. I also have a quick proposal for the very final scene of the movie. I'm no filmmaker myself, but Mm -hmm. I like the idea of her kayaking in the bay. We pan out. We see some drones. Is it, you know, do you say pan out again? Yeah. yeah. You zoom out. I don't know. Zoom out. Either way. You, you, you move away and you see the (laughs) drones and then you pan out further and there's that guy, Matt, who loves kayaking, who's also there. And he's just waving at the sky trying to get on screen. And then the movie ends. That's the movie I want. I feel like if it was that parody comedy movie, <laughs> that would have been an ideal ending. Right. Yes. And I am fully in your court now that this should have been an office space style movie. And now we begin the part where we do the Abbott and Costello who's on first <laughs> sketch. <laughs> maybe that could be, maybe that could be a, a post-show uh, segment. 